Hi, beautiful friends, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a great guest interview, and we are going to talk about how we pursue the impossible in our lives, because with God's help, nothing is impossible, if that's what he has for us. We're going to talk about being bold in what we're called to do, whether that's starting a business or growing a business, or whether it's you know being at home with our children and raising children at this time. And then we're going to talk about how we keep our priorities in place and how we step out to serve others. And we're going to talk about how do we live unapologetically as Christians and show up in the world and just keep showing up for what God has for us in different seasons. It is a great and it's an inspiring conversation. I know you're going to love my guest and everything she has to share with us. And there's so many takeaways that you can really reflect on and and apply to your own life. Welcome to Faith Field Woman, a podcast designed for Christian women eager to deepen their faith and shine God's light in every aspect of their lives. Each week, we'll delve into practical strategies, inspiring stories, and biblical wisdom to equip you with the tools you need to navigate life's challenges and grow deeper in your faith. From finding calm in the chaos, forming deep Christian friendships, to everyday ways to connect with God, we'll cover it all. Hi, I'm your host, Kristen. I'm an encourager, a faith-led entrepreneur, a mom, and a wife. Let's be encouraged in our everyday lives as we let our faith guide us, fuel us, and fill us with God's incredible peace, wisdom, and joy in our lives. Hi, on today's episode, I want to welcome our guest, Judy Weber. She's a lawyer, a business coach, and a scaling strategist. She's also the host of the podcast, Joyfully Scaling. And next year, she is releasing a book called Pursue the Impossible. And I cannot wait to talk to her because she is helping Christian women scale their businesses. She's helping them step out in their faith. And she's helping them live unapologetically who God's made them to be. So let me welcome her. Welcome, Judy. Hey, Kristen. So great to be here. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I just can't wait to have this conversation. And I love that we have so many themes running throughout our podcasts and uh, just the, the way we talk and the language that we use around faith and around trying to encourage women in their lives and their business. So I know it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Can I start by saying, I love that you call yourself an encourager. Yeah. Thank you. Because see, we're Mm like-minded because one time I did a spiritual gift. So I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what my spiritual gift is. That is mine. Like I'm an encourager. I'm an advocate for women and I'm an encourager. So I really love that about you as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. We need more of them in the world. And I know they're there, but like you said, just owning it, right. Just, just owning that, um, that gift or that, that, you know, whatever you want to call it, a gift or title. Uh, Uh, Yeah. So can you start up just by telling us a little bit, a little bit about life? What does it look like? You know, and what are you up to now? Wow. Okay. So these days I am a business coach for Christian women and I just love it. In my work, I'd say, you know, people say, oh, you only work with Christian women? Yes. Um, And they say, oh, okay, they must be really on fire for Christ. It's interesting because all of my clients love Jesus, but half kind of kept him compartmentalized. Like that was like a Sunday thing. And they didn't really see how that could fit into their business. Um, Or, and there's a lot of guilt around business. Like, ooh, is that selfish ambition? Mm -hmm. So I love working with earlier stage entrepreneurs, um, to help them kind of get through that and get going. Um, I also work with ladies that are at six figures or multi and go beyond that. But um, I really love seeing like the aha moments come off because I'm all about building a business that is founded on Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we, everything I do, every strategy 
every, you know, practical, whatever advice, anything that we're doing, it all points to Jesus. And so women are just really like, wow, I never knew that Jesus could be such, you know, weaved throughout everything that I do, not only in my life, but in my business. Yeah. I just have to share with you that uh, I, I can totally relate to people feeling that way. And, and I love that you're helping people with that because when I started uh, building a life, you love podcast, I knew faith was important to me. And you know, one of the things I said we'd talk about is faith, but I I did not um, clearly state, you know, in the summary any more than that. And, and it took me a while to sort of weave it in more. And then a year or so, a year and a half after that, I started my other podcast, which is a fully faith-based, uh, Christian uh, faith-based podcast called faith Field Woman. And I have to tell you, because in the past, when I worked for other people, I'd also had my own business with my mom, but I, faith felt like oh, it's not in the tech world. It's not in, so Kristen is a faith person. And it took me quite a bit of time to weave it into the point where I was like, this is not a separate thing. It wasn't separate for me, but in my business, you know, in my podcast and, you know, having to make a more bold statement about what type of faith are we talking about or what, you know, who am I really trying to serve? And so I absolutely get where people get hung up on that. And because I talk about it more now, even when I'm a guest on someone else's podcast, I've had uh, guests, even when we're talking only, it's a business podcast. You know, I've had men say, you know, I, I really like that you talk about your faith because I rarely have talked about mine, but I think I need to do it more, you know? And so us going and doing these things gives other people the courage and realizing that this should be normalized. This is what, you know, we're supposed to do and it's okay. Yeah, I love that. If I could just say a couple of things. Yeah. Number one, I work with women who love Jesus. And like I say, they weave, you know, they, they not only weave him in, but they really found their business on it. But not all of them have Jesus front facing on their brand, right? Like I do, and like you do in the Faith Field Woman podcast. Right. And that's okay um, right. because you may be called to serve those that don't know Christ yet. But still, you do business. You're committed to the Lord. That's the one thing I want to say. And the other thing is, the first time I was in an environment where the name of Jesus was exalted unapologetically, loud and proud, was at Liberty University back in 2013 when my niece graduated. Hmm. And I remember driving home and saying to my boys who were, I don't even know what age is then, but they were teenagers and, and middle school or whatever. And I said, guys, how awesome was that? That that Jesus, his name, everybody was talking about him. And, and it was like, it wasn't just in church, like as we're walking to, to dinner or as we're moving about, it was just such a neat environment. So to your point, we as Christians really need to not apologize for following Christ. Um, yeah. Because when we put what was the most important thing for him, which is loving God and loving others, when we show others him through right. that action, that's just, that, that just benefits everybody, you know? Absolutely. And there's a book I picked up years ago and I don't, you know, I don't even know where you can, you can probably find it on Amazon still, but it, it was, it's called doing business by the, by the good book. I think is what it's called. I forget the author's name, but he owns a big tech company. And, you know, it was probably at the front of Barnes and Noble many years ago, but it was a great book and it's obviously based on biblical principles. But, you know, if anybody's thinking like, yeah, but how do you do that? If you have a large, you know, as you have a bigger company, because, you know, you're thinking, oh, I can't hire only his book addresses that they hire, you know, it's still equal opportunity. It's all these things. But he's like you said, he's building and growing his business on those biblical foundations. 
you know, so you can still run a company and it can be diverse and it can be all these other things. And I just want to point that out because I think sometimes when you're saying Christian, you know, Christian business, I think people um, maybe think, well, does that mean then, you know, it has to be certain people or look a certain way. And I think that that's, that's not exactly what, what we're talking about. You know, it's more about, yeah. Yeah. It's like you as a faith fueled. I love your faith fueled. I actually have, and I forget, I should know this, but I trademark faith fueled. I think I trademarked faith fueled business. I forget exactly what I trademarked. But for me, faith is full of hope, like faith based, but faith fueled, I always say is the miraculous realized when everything you think, everything you say, everything you do is fueled by this love of Christ and your faith in him and his precious promises in the Bible. So, I mean, anybody listening who loves Jesus, do not cower from that, okay? That is not, you know, something to run away from. That is something to run toward and to lean totally in on because when we embrace who we are in Christ, that is when we become who we really are. Yeah. You know, and if I could just talk about that for one quick second. I would love, yeah, absolutely. Okay. My clients, you know, are all women and they come as we all do. I know for me, like we have experiences that happened in our life and some of them aren't good, you know, like, like for me, my first husband beat me up on my wedding night. So I've got some stuff, you know, um, my relationships with men were not good. Right. And so, you know, I have this whispering in my mind sometimes that you're ugly you're fat, you are whatever. And all of us have that some, some were worse than that, like sexually abused by their fathers or whatever. Right. And so we all have this. So I firmly believe there's kind of an element of becoming, but I look at it more this way. Um, you, we are who God made us to be, but we are, um, we have clothes on that are the trauma and the drama and the negative thoughts that the enemy whispered in our ear. And over time we believed. And so the closer we get to Christ, as we take off that, the garbage, right? Then we really become who we are. And, and, and so to me, that's like this whole exciting thing where it's like for my ladies, they're like, Oh, well, I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. Well, how do you know that Jude? Because God promised to equip you where he called you. You told me he called you to business so you can do anything and everything that you need to do to really find those clients, to have them find you and work with them so you can have major impact in their lives and change not only their life in business, you know, depending on what your expertise is, but the ripple effect of that, like changing countless lives. It's just so exciting. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that's something that most people, especially women have have or do struggle with is identity, right? And as long as we keep identifying as our titles, that jobs we've had, or just be, you know, when I say just, I don't mean just being a mom, but as a title of mother, title of spouse, whatever it is, the problem is, is that sometimes we, we aren't going to be able to do that job, right? You're going to change jobs. You're going to change professions. And we'll talk about how you changed uh, in your profession later, but so it's like if we hold on to those things and make them our identities, we will struggle because it that's not what defines us. That's not who we are. But our identity in Christ absolutely is how he sees us and how he made us. And so you're so right. It's so important for us to get clear on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jesus is like, I always say like a picture Jesus with his hands open like this. And, um, you know, he's like, do you want my joy? Right here it is. It's yours. I died yeah. for it. 
and you can just take it. Like, like I say that to myself when I get freaked out, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's a personal issue or a business issue. And I say, you know what, when I feel that stress, I don't need to feel this. This isn't who I, this isn't for me in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We need the calm and the peace and the, and what all that God has for us. And all we yeah. got to do is take it. Right. You know, it seems so simple, but it can be hard to actually do. Absolutely. So I have to tell you, Judy, when I, you know, had learned a little bit more about you and uh, sort of your, your journey to getting to college and then going to law school, you know, I was like, okay, I bet you a lot of people can relate to some part of that story. So would you just share with us a little bit about going to college and what that was like for you and your family? And then, um, you know, maybe segue into being a lawyer and kind of that pivotal moment of what happened. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Gosh, it's so many ins and outs. I'll try to keep it short, but I remember the day that I met Jesus. That is my mom. I was like three or four. It was a Sunday night. I remember I can still picture myself in the living room with my twin sister and I'm one of six. I'm number five of six, five and six were me and my twin sister. And I'm a half hour older than her. So I'm the big sister. But anyway, so mom said, you know what, girls, I have to tell you, you have a big brother and his name is Jesus Christ. And I had three other brothers. So I immediately looked around and I said, really, why haven't we met him, mommy? Where is he? You know, but so that was pivotal. And I remember shortly after that, like just sensing that he was with me. And, um, and then short while after that, before I was five, I remember I, I said, mommy, God told me. I'm going to be doing something important. And mommy, I think I'm going to be a millionaire one day. And you can tell I'm getting emotional. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I don't apologize for crying. I don't even bother wearing makeup at church anymore. But anyway, so, you know, mom, you know, we were poor. Dad was a factory worker and mom stayed home. Like we were paycheck to paycheck. And I remember when my daddy, um, one time they were out on a strike and I remember little girl, like maybe six or seven. And I remember my parents were fighting, you know, cause mom wanted dad to cross the picket line and, you know, and dad was like, I can't, they'll beat me up, whatever. Like that's my reality growing up. So there's a lot of head trash in that. Like rich people are nasty. They're greedy. Don't trust a man in a suit. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. Like, like all these things that I, as an entrepreneur later in life had to unravel and I still am. And that'll be my lifelong journey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, But anyway, so I just always knew that I was going to go to college. And I remember I was like in middle school when I said that I go, mom, because I was always, I was, as you could tell, I like, like I have high goals and I, you know, I I aspire to be number one, even though I was never number one, but I was always in the top 10 or whatever. And I remember some mom going to school, going to college. She's like, um, Judy, I'd love you to go, but I don't know how we're going to be able to afford it. I said, I'm not worried about that, mommy. I'm going. And so, um, you know, mom and dad took out some loans, but I took out a bunch of loans and thank God with scholarships, whatever I was able to go. But I remember there were some of my friends that were getting cars and like big gifts. And I was just excited to have the opportunity to go to college. I mean, when I was there, it was like, wow, this is amazing. So graduated college as a music teacher. I only applied to one school. That was the school that my piano teacher went to. I didn't know the difference between Penn State and University of Pennsylvania. I didn't know what an Ivy League school was. Like, you know, I just, hey, that's where my piano teacher went. So it's good enough for me. Anyway, long story short, I graduated number three in the entire class. I couldn't get a job to save my life as a music teacher. And I was K to 12. Um, Anyway, so what happened? So I'm like, okay, can't get the job there. So I'm going to um, go into sales. 
So eventually I sold dictation equipment to lawyers. So it was a Friday night and I'm leaving an appointment, my last appointment of the day. And I just met with a man who I'm sorry, but he was an absolute idiot. And it wasn't uncommon for me to talk to people. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know poor folk like me don't really go to college, let alone law school. But you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. And let's go. So I worked really hard. I had to take the LSATs twice because I didn't do good the first time. I'm not good on standardized tests. I'm not at all a genius, but I work hard. <laughs> like I, nobody will outwork me, which is another thing I had to unravel as an entrepreneur. All right, I'm going too long. Let me wrap it up and say this. When I got into law school at Villanova, I cried my eyes out. The first couple of days when I went into the school, I would look up and I said, Lord, is this real? <laughs> like, am I really here? It was just such a gift and so amazing to actually be in law school. But it's interesting. If anybody knows about Villanova, uh, they tend to be rich kids um, following mom and dad who one or both were lawyers. And I remember looking around saying, these guys are a bunch of spoiled brats. They weren't even studying. They were just partying. And I was just like, all in. Okay, let's go. Let's go. So Judy, I, yeah, I love that you shared that. First of all, it, how endearing it was, you know, just hearing how you spoke to your mom and those memories. It's just so beautiful. And, um, you know, I love that you shared just you know, what your family history looked like, right? Of going to college and that that was, you know, that was a big achievement. And so I think that that's so relatable to a lot of people. You know, one one author that I love her newer book, but her earlier book was Dirt by Mary Morantz. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah. You know, but when, when you were talking about that, it reminded me a little bit of her talking about her upbringing in that book. She grew up in uh, West Virginia. In her case, it was in a trailer. But, you know, just telling, you know, where she was and then she became a lawyer. So, you know, paralleled a little bit there. But uh, so you share about once you made it, you became a lawyer, you were, you know, actually, you know, in the role, you know, you were, I mean, you were, had been a lawyer for a little bit and there was a pivotal moment that happened. And I think many of us, especially women, can relate to what happened to you or how you felt. So can you share that with us and kind of what was going on in your head? Yeah, I would say there's two pivotal moments, okay? One was I got this great job at a suburban Philadelphia firm. It was actually on the Wilmington, Delaware side, but it was considered a, a major Philadelphia firm. And I remember sitting there and going through like the day-to-day. And at one point I'm looking around and I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted. I have this nice window, this great office that looks out into the city. Why does it feel like, so what? <laughs> like, why does it feel like, the work that I'm doing, I'm doing like with heart. Like I was always, like I say, a fierce advocate for my clients and I always wanted to win and, and all of that. But I just thought, you know, I've reached this level of success, but it doesn't feel like this is what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. And then the other pivotal moment was on the heels of that. Okay. So what I just described was like September 95. So in January of 96, I found out I was pregnant. I happened to find that out while I was at my desk in the law firm because I had gotten some blood work done and I'm like, Ooh, I think I might be, I'm not sure, whatever. So they call and they go, Judy, are you sitting down? I said, yes. They said, congratulations, you're pregnant. I start bawling <laughs> and I hang up and I said, thank you. Thank you. And I, I hung up and I pushed myself back from my seat and I said, Lord God, thank you for this. I couldn't care less about this job. Please take care of my baby. This yeah. is my baby is my priority. And so all those things, it's so neat how all of these experiences that God brought along the way. And again, that was like 
January of 96. And I started my first business in um, the spring of 2003. So it's just so neat how I, as I look back, I see how the Lord God like brought me through everything that the experiences of all of it, I would see his hand in it and it would, it would well equip me to stand in this role as a coach, as a mentor, as a strategist for my clients. And like, I'm so, I can so relate to kind of what they've been through um, from the faith side, as well as the experience, you know, side of it as well. Love that. Yeah. And so, you know, that whole idea of, you know, I know this has happened to me and I've talked to so many other people it's happened to is that you find yourself, like you said, in a, uh, some season of life and, you know, yeah, we're meant to be in that season, but there's this time that comes where you feel this restlessness, you feel a stirring, or you feel like maybe there's something else for me. I think, you know, God is calling me to something else, or you just start to feel that movement, you know, or wanting to explore something new. And so I love that you shared that, that you were sort of like, yeah, I don't think this is my forever thing. And, mm-hmm. or she moved into motherhood, but with, is there anything you just say to people if they're, you know, in that season of, you know, feeling like change is coming, you know, um, and, and what do we do with that? Yeah. First of all, I just want to give some context as I'm thinking back about this. I had over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Number one, number two, I was newly married and I was the major breadwinner. I made almost twice what my husband did at the time. So there's tons of pressure on me. They used to call it golden handcuffs. You have this great salary, but you kind of have to maintain that great salary to pay all the bills, right? Right. So there was pressure on me. And so, like I said, I stayed for many years. Um, But I will tell you, when the law firm found out that I was pregnant, I was blacklisted. I was no longer on the partnership track. Mm. But part of that was because of my choice. Like I said, in that moment, I decided this child comes first. So no more was I willing to stay until dark. Uh Uh-uh. I'm leaving at five, six at the latest. And I was chastised for that. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to give you context. Back then, there were many female uh, partners. Uh, this, this other people in corporate may relate to this where maybe not a partner at a law firm, but a senior level manager in corporate. And they didn't dare to have babies until they made partner. So while I was young and dumb and I thought, oh, female partners will embrace me. They will take me under their wing as I would, right? Oh no, I was shunned. So the men didn't want to mentor me because then there was like a sexual discrimination. They couldn't, you know, and then the women wouldn't touch me, especially after they found out I was pregnant because there was almost like a jealousy thing. How does she get to have a baby in her first year of practice? So what I want to say to anybody who feels like they're in a job they hate, or just in a situation where they feel like God is calling them. It's one of those things where don't overwhelm yourself to think you have to figure it out like now. Right. It's like, just know that that prompting, that desire is there by the Lord. And so you look to him, Lord God, I don't see a way out. How do I do this? And, you know, just Lord, I I love Jeremiah 33, three, Lord, tell me something that's great and unsearchable, something I do not know. So it's like, Lord, reveal the plan, reveal the plan. And meanwhile, just take it day by day and um, just keep looking for opportunities. You know, God can speak through unbelievers. God can speak to you as you take a walk. God can speak. I woke up yesterday morning and I did a live about it, um, or rather a reel about it, where he's like, um, oh gosh, what was it now? He said, um, is it easier to believe that Jesus can save you forever 
than it is to believe him, like believe his promises that even the impossible is possible. Like I am all about like, Lord, rebuke me, you know, just discipline me because I want to walk the way you want me to walk as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. I forget who said it, but you know, they say one of our biggest challenges is not God. I mean, of course not God, but I mean, it's, it's our view of God. How big is your God, right? In other words, is God bigger than your problems? Is God bigger than, you know, the door closed or the door open? You know, but a lot of us put our problems higher up than we do the ability of God, right? That he can do all things. And so sometimes we have to check in with ourselves. You know, how are we, where are we putting God? Are we putting him on a human level instead of, you know, an almighty level? And I think that that's something sometimes we have to reflect on, you know, and see, because to your point, it will happen. Movement will happen, but it may not be today. It may not be tomorrow or next month or next year even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point about who do we see the Lord as? I love Tony Evans right now. He's like my all-time favorite preacher. Mm -hmm. And he talks about like, sometimes we think of Jesus as that sweet, kind, gentle man that we sometimes read about in the New Testament. Although the one that turned over the tables, I mean, he was strong and, you know, whatever, but, but he's like, you know, Jesus Christ right now is sitting on the right hand of the Lord God Almighty, and he is in control of everything. God gave him his son, that authority. And he's like, is there anything he can't do to your point? I mean, so he's like, who do you picture when you picture Christ? Right. Is it that little carpenter or is it, you know, the one in yeah. charge of it all? Mm-hmm. So good. So, um, so absolutely so true. So let me ask you this, you know, so you've been a lawyer and then, you know, had kids, you've started your you know businesses. And then of course you're doing the, um, helping people scale, you know, as a business coach, but what would you say to women that are just hesitating to step out, you know, step out into maybe what God's calling them. Maybe they feel in their heart, they want their own business, whether that's for financial freedom, whether that's for time freedom so that they can be with their children more. So many reasons why we're, we feel called to this and that we want these things. So what would you say to women that feel that call, but they're hesitating, or maybe they're starting to dabble, but they're, they're, they're still holding back. What would you say to them? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say something that might trigger some, but this is something that the Lord gave me a couple of months ago. And it goes back to the parable of the talents, right? So what did the master say to the servant? who was given one talent and buried it. I think he said something like, get away from me, you wicked, lazy servant. So I look at that. I mean, like I say, I like, this is sound weird, but I love when preachers go hard. In other words, I want to be convicted. So when I thought about that and prayed about that, what I heard from the Lord is that if you play small, that's what you are. Like, like for me, if you're playing small, it's a sin. It's kind of like a sin of omission. Like my mom used to say, she, she loved Jesus. I mean, he, she helped make me who I am today and always pointed me back to Christ. She'd say, you know what, Judy, where much is given, much is expected. So where the Lord God has gifted you with something. And see, here's the thing with women. A lot of women are multi-passionate and we could do lots of things. And you're like, well, I don't know what I could be. Like my first business was interior decorating. I had no formal training. I loved HGTV and I had a knack for it. So I went for it, you know? So, so if that is you and you're like, I have a nudge. Okay, Judy. Okay. I hear you. So if I have this nudge, 
um, go to God with it. If I get confirmation, it is from him and of him. Then I have to explore, okay, God, what do I do? What's my gift? A lot of times we don't see it in ourselves. So ask your friends, like, like, what do you think I'm good at? You know, or knowing me, if I were to start a business, what do you think it should be? or could be. And you might be amazed at your answer, at the answers that you get from your friends and family. So I would definitely start there. Um, that Those are great places to start. And then just saying, I'm committing to doing this. Yeah. People, people um, a lot of times say they're not motivated, but it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with the decision yeah. and then a commitment to the decision. I'm doing this. It's going to be hard. Hey, yeah. hubby, get on board. I'm doing this. Hey, family, please support me. You may not understand it, but this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing even with your podcast, you know, even though that's only one, one facet of what you're doing, you, you made a commitment of something. Like for me, I remember when I started my first podcast, I made a commitment to myself that I wouldn't even consider not doing it for a year, that I would be consistently post in published content for a year, no matter what the numbers of the data showed me. You know, that was my commitment to being, taking it serious and showing up to do the work. Right. And that's what God's asking us to do is to be serious about how we're being asked to show up in the world and to make a commitment to, to doing that work, whatever it is, right. Where, wherever in whatever place it's supposed, we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I want to say to those stay at home moms out there, if there are any that are listening of all the things I've accomplished, the thing that I am most proud of is raising three Jesus-loving, God-fearing boys mm-hmm. who are now men of Christ, strong men of Christ. And, you know, the world out there is tough. And yeah. so you as a mom pouring into them, even though at one point I was a single mom and I was an attorney having to drive from suburban Philly down to Philly, this is years later, when I went back to the practice of law. Um, as I said, there are a lot of bobs and weaves, um, but I was very intentional mm-hmm. about not only taking them to church, but talking about Jesus. Oh, guys, here's what happened today when I was in Wawa, which is like this place where I'd get coffee. And hey, here's what happened in the courtroom. And how could I have handled this better? And tell me about what happened at school. Like like being a mom, if that's your season, embrace yeah. it. I could cry tears. I wish I could go back. <laughs> so, so really, it's like, that's what I mean. I don't want you to rush it. So you look to the Lord and look for his leading, but never, ever apologize for motherhood because that time is here today and gone like that. But what you do there, those mundane, uh, uh, making another dinner, doing the dishes, doing the laundry, that is such sanctifying work. And I think some of the most valuable work we're ever going to do. Yeah, absolutely. My mom, you know, still says, you know, and she has five grown children. Uh, so we're one short of yours. No, no uh, twins though. Uh, you know, but she still says to this day, you know, her most important work, you know, her achievement was, is having the children, right. And raising five capable, you know, um, children, you know, that are, yeah. that are participating in society and raising children and, you know, all those things. So absolutely. It's, uh, you're so right about that. Uh, so let me ask you this. So what about, I know that you share with some of your clients and your women and maybe on your podcast, um, a story of the Bible that helps women sort of see themselves if they're, you know, in the role of well, one showing up for what God has for us, but then also just stepping into business if that's what's for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There are so many entrepreneurial women in the Bible. Um, you know, the unnamed Proverbs 31, mm-hmm. which 
I know when I first read it, I said, well, that could never be me. And it's not. I mean, I will never say I do everything that that says, but read Proverbs 31, 18. And it says her trading was profitable. So if anyone out there is in business right now or thinking about it and you're saying, oh, it's selfish ambition for me to make money. Hold on a second. The Bible says she was a wife of noble character and she, her business was profitable. So it's okay. It's about keeping your priorities in place. It's Mm -hmm. about loving God, not loving money, right? It's about putting the welfare of others, especially your clients above your own. You know, I'm very different as a business coach. I'm not chasing the numbers. I'm not chasing the dollars. I'm chasing my clients' results. And so, you know, I, I really think that's important for us to understand that where you're called um, go all in and right. ask for God's guidance all the way along the way. Um, you know, but, but Lydia is another great example. She was a woman who I think she dealt with purple cloth. I can't remember. That's the only thing that comes to mind now, but her success as an entrepreneur helped to fund Jesus ministry. So, you know, that's the thing. I always think, you know what, why should non-Christians make more money than Christians? Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're doing with their money. But I know I just wrote a big check earlier this week, right? And so it's such a blessing. I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna give more money this year than my dad ever made in a year, and I can't wait till I'm giving a hundred thousand dollars and more, you know, to the Lord's work. He doesn't need my money, but he needs our commitment to Him and obedience. And so, you know, just keep that in mind that if God's called you to business, He doesn't want you to play, right? He wants you to take it seriously, just as you said, Kristen, and really remain committed to what he's called you to. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants, like you said, he wants us to do good work. The craftsmanship matters as well. And I mean, I know ours is more service-based, but it's still craftsmanship, right? It's still that we're showing up and we are doing the best work we're able to do. You know, I can't remember if it was Martin Luther or who said that, but he talks about, you know, the, the shoemaker making shoes, right? It wasn't just that he, it's not that he puts a cross on the shoe. It's how well he made the, the leather shoe. Right. That, that, that God also cares about. It's not just, oh, put a cross on something and then, oh, there, there you go. You're done. No, it's that you actually, just like God, he is a creator. He is a creative person, right? He makes things and we can partner with him to do the same. And so, you know, we're expected to, you know, show up and do have high quality work, like you said, and serve others with a great product. Amen. Amen. But can I say that sometimes brings up another issue that women, especially, I I always say women because I only work with women, but maybe men, but, but I think more than women, it's like, or more women than men. And that is where it's like, okay, I know I can help people, but then they get nervous when they get into business and they have this offer Mm -hmm. and they get nervous about pricing it and they get nervous about, Ooh, can I really help my clients get results? Like they get nervous about that. And they go, well, what if someone comes in and I know I can help them, but they don't do the work? Well, that's a whole different thing, which I know we don't have time for, but but we shouldn't be talking to everybody. We should be identifying a best client. That best client should want that result, not just want it, but be committed to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll be honest, there are there have been women that have worked with me that have not been committed and they don't show up and they don't do the work. And so they don't get results. Um, I show up hundred percent responsible. Right. I ask my clients to show up hundred percent responsible, but you know, as long as we do all that we can, right. we shouldn't lament and say, Oh my goodness, you know, so-and-so didn't get the result. If they're not doing the work, I mean, right. 
you know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, I absolutely agree with you and you're right. I know that for more women than men, that's absolutely true selling, right. When it comes to selling or making offers. And then, like you said, well, we worry because we're used to caregiving in a lot of ways. And so we, we start putting things on these things. If you haven't, you know, done that, or if you haven't been in sales, maybe, you know, or whatever it is, it is often we have to overcome just like money mindset issues. We have to overcome some of those things. But the good news is we can overcome those things and it gets easier once you do it. Right. And then you realize, okay, I'm, I'm asking for this money because I'm giving them a result or a potential to have a result, right. I'm giving them knowledge or whatever it is. And so I love that you brought that up because I, I hear so many women talk about that struggle, you know, and it's important that we talk about it more. Yeah. And you know, who loves us to struggle with that? The enemy. The enemy yeah. loves to tell us, I always say, sit down, shut up. Nobody wants to hear from you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one, if we're like, oh, I don't want to reach out and bother anybody. Hang on a second. Um, do we think about that as far as telling others about Christ? Oh, well, I don't know how they're going to react. Wait a minute. This is life or death we're talking about here. And as it comes to your services, you know, if you don't tell somebody then, you know, about your services, you're not convincing anybody anything. You're just sharing and providing information of how you can help. But if you don't do that, then they're going to be relegated to somebody who's not as good as you, who maybe doesn't care about them as much. So to me, I would say sales is noble because you're really looking out for the best interest of that other person. One for the person that it's a fit for, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, is if you're, if you're selling, you're looking for the person that it will actually help. You're not just trying to sell it to every person that you, you saw online, right? It's, it has to be a match, you know, it has to make sense. Right. Exactly. And that is where the best client, you have to be bold enough. See, entrepreneurship takes boldness and courage, like fear. You can have that. Yes, we're human, but courage through the fear, take action despite the fear. Mm -hmm. And to say, you know what? I'm not serving everybody. Here's my best client. This is who she is, or this is who he is, or this is who they are. And you get very specific so that not just an exercise of, oh, okay, now I know who they are, but, but, but to really help you understand what are their issues? What do they say to themselves when they go to bed at night? Yeah. What are they praying for? What are they sick of? These kinds of things. And so if you're thinking about everybody, there's right. no way you're going to be able to answer those questions. That is really where sales begin. Mm, so true. So let me ask you this. You obviously have different um, ways that you work with women and you teach them different frameworks, if you will. But for people you know, that are Thinking about it and just starting out, I know, I don't know if it's called Simplicity and Joy, but you help them understand how they can have a business more, I guess, simply and joyfully. So is what would you just want to share any tips with us about that? Yeah, it's called my Joyful Six Figures Accelerator. And actually, my team and I are putting together 2.0, meaning what we have in there now some of our clients are getting results within days, meaning they make their investment back within not months or weeks, but days. I mean, mm-hmm. it's insane. So I have a three-step process of you know taking it from a business idea and fleshing it out so that you can create an offer that your best client, we figure that out too. It's very simple. And you know how it can be very simple um, so that you can sell it and, and, and produce an offer, a package, if you will, of services for your best clients. So that's your right offer. Then we talk about what I call joy-infused marketing because I don't want your marketing to feel like dread. I want it to feel fun and full of joy and it's something you actually might look forward to, right? And so that's the second step. And the third step is actually just inviting 
those best clients, that right fit client to work with you and not being attached or desperate for a yes. So it's really sales is about a conversation. Again, it all goes back to service. So, so that's my joyful six figures accelerator. And one exciting thing we're having next year that this is the first time I'm announcing it other than in my private circles. I am hosting an in person event and it's going to be my accelerator clients and all Christian women. It's called joyful business live. It's going to be coming up next October. So if you want to get in my world, um, follow me at, at Judy Weber co wherever you are on social or my websites, judyweber.co. You won't find anything there now about that event, but plug in, um, in a minute, I'm going to tell you about a free resource, get on my email list that way. And then you can learn more of the details as we roll that out. Mm, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and uh, share with us about the freebie? Yeah, this is so good. This is a five-day training series and it is video and a workbook delivered straight to your inbox for five days. So you can consume it as you like. It's called Build a Faith Fueled. Don't you love that? Build a Faith Fueled Six-Figure Business. Okay. So inside you're going to learn my simple process for growing a purposeful and profitable service-based business without overworking, without overthinking, and without ever compromising your faith. So we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's judyweber.co slash the number five day workshop. So I'm really excited for you to explore that. No pressure, nothing I'm selling, but that if you have an interest in business or you've even begun one, you are absolutely going to love that. You're going to benefit from that greatly. Oh, I love it because, you know, um, I've talked to a lot of, you know, Christian women and, you know, other women uh, on my, both my podcasts. And, you know, I've, I've interviewed some of them that just work with Christian women to scale businesses, but I just love how your, you know, your framework. And I love your, um, the way that you just work with women and the way you speak to them. I just think it's so beautiful. And, and to me, it just, it lines so much, it lines up so well with how I like to talk to women, you know, um, so I just, would you want to share just one last word of encouragement with us to all the women listening and just as they step in their lives and asking us all to just show up, you know, fully for how God wants us to be, be in the world. Yeah. The thing on my heart is the title of my book that's coming out next year as well. Pursue the impossible. Uh, really, it's what I've done all of my life unintentionally. Like I, I realized that when I look back. So if there is something if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you're like, oh, well, she's done all these things. Believe me, I am nobody special. I'm somebody, though, that was driven. So if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and he, you know that he, you're called to business or whatever, take it one step at a time, but don't limit yourself to think what's reasonable or what's realistic or even what's probable. Like, Open the doors, open your mind to see that even the impossible, like this big vision you might have of helping hundreds or thousands of, of people, that could be what you experience in the months and years to come when you say, Lord, I'm surrendered. I don't even think I could do this. But right. if you call to it, I believe you. So show me the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, so good. And yeah, I mean, really, that's the, the point. And I love... um Mark Batterson, Pastor Mark Batterson's books, you know, but I know in one of them, he talks about, you know, like if your vision doesn't require God to be part of it, then it's too small, right? It's not, that's not the full vision, you know? And so we're, we, if we can do it on our own, then that's not your big God-sized dream. I mean, they might be part of it, or it might be a little, you know, step in the right direction, but it's like, he's actually wants us, like you said, to 
open those doors wide. And it needs to be something where we need other people to help us achieve it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's being bold. Yeah. I mean, it was scary for me to keep signing those those checks or whatever I did to, to go to law school. Okay. Right. Here's another, here's another loan. Okay. I don't know how I'm paying it off, but I'll yeah. do it. You know? So Absolutely. go for it. If you're called to it, God will help you figure it out along the way. Mm, I love it. Well, Judy, thank you so much for coming and joining us today and sharing so much wisdom and your stories and your, you know, just tips on how can we step into more for of what God has for us. And if we're called to step into business or to, to build our business bigger, that, you know, we should boldly do that. So thank you for being with us today. Well, it's been my pleasure, Kristen. I pray that this has blessed you and your listeners. And I would love to connect online. Like, don't be a stranger. I walked my talk. I would love to connect. Thank I you. I love it. Thanks again for listening to the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast because it helps our show get discovered by more people. And if you'd like to be encouraged in your faith and in your life, go on to kristenfitch.com and sign up to get my newsletter. I have lots of freebies and lots of inspiration and encouragement that'll be coming your way. And I would love it if you joined part of our community. 